Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl 55 champions, led by Tom Brady. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. Hello and welcome to For Future Considerations, your favorite podcast at the three quarters of a century mark for the boys. Getting older, getting wiser. John, Manny, Matt, myself here. Boys, how are we doing? Good. Great. John, you're looking better than ever. (laughs) Well, thanks. I do what I can. You know, I got our whole regimen happening. I showered, you know. It's great. It's those, uh, Your head's shinier than normal. Like <laughs> it's those walking the dogs, man. You you got to be down like twenty five pounds. <laughs> uh, I think I'm actually up a couple. <laughs> I had firehouse subs on the weekend. It was delicious. Uh, I was gonna say you're still not eating Thanksgiving leftovers, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's had a couple of turkeys since then, but they weren't the Thanksgiving yeah. turkeys. They're the, <laughs> the, the mid-October turkey and the uh, first lunar eclipse turkey. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Any reason you can find it, right? <laughs> That's right. It was National Pumpkin Day on Tuesday. Did you just eat pumpkin pie for dinner? <laughs> Actually, believe it or not, I'm not a big pumpkin guy. No. What? Eh, Interesting. Don't love pumpkin. It was National Tight Ends uh, Day a couple days ago. What did you guys do for that? (laughs) Well, the Raiders pumped the Eagles up their tight end. (laughs) Cue the autumn wind. (laughs) Awful. I could coach defense better than the Eagles defensive coordinator could. <laughs> Big matchup this weekend, Eagles and Lions. I know, that's going to be a showdown. I hope the Lions win because the Eagles have Miami's first round pick and Miami's off. Yeah. We could get the first overall pick. Hey, if the Lions are going to be the Lions the way that we want them to, it's time for them to start winning because this 0-6 stuff is only going to be good things. So like this, <laughs> you gotta finish six and eleven. Just kind of sitting right there where you're getting the that left-handed quarterback who should actually be right-handed. That's who you're looking for right in the the lion wheelhouse, not this first overall stuff. <laughs> That's right. You want to ensure yourself mediocrity, yeah. forever. They'd still find a way to screw that up. They'd take uh, Adam Sandler's character from The Water Boy first overall, but. <laughs> Yes, Bobby Boucher. There he is. <laughs> now, Bobby Boucher. Some high-quality H2O right there. <laughs> the Ravens screwed me on, on the betting site this weekend. Uh, Did you win money? No, I didn't. Uh, the Lion, I had the Lions uh, getting blown out, so they covered the spread at least. Uh, and then my last piece of the puzzle would have been the Saints, and I thought the Saints were disappointing as well. On Monday. That was not a good Monday night game. No, that was not no, a good Monday no. night game. And speaking of betting, uh, John, how's your crypto doing? How's your cryptocurrency? I made $24 this weekend. Oh, oh no. Look at this. He's back in the game, ladies and gentlemen. He's 
back in the game. Jill, we're going and to get a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I installed an app so that if the price starts to fall, it texts me. So I got a text at four in the morning the other morning. So my wife was thrilled about that. Oh, my God. Yeah, so like, did you jump on at 4 a.m. and sell, sell, sell? I did, yeah. Sell, sell. <laughs> and uh, my wife was like, great, I like that text message you got at 10 minutes before I had to wake up. Honey, it's business. So it, Honey, we're, we're trying to do business here. So, so wait a minute. Are we allowed to text you at 3.30 a.m.? Well, like, as, long as, as long as there aren't any pictures, Manny. <laughs> you no, just in- <laughs> fool me once <laughs> oh man oh we've lost john it took us only four minutes we haven't even talked and about john is off the rails we haven't even talked about what we're gonna talk about yet <laughs> the host just checked out oh man <laughs> Hey, how about the OT last week, Matt? Oh, my God. Shane Shane Topolovic goes on our show, and then if you follow him on the Instagram and, and stuff, Next Level Athletics, I don't think the E is in Next Level Athletics, maybe because he can't spell, but uh, he's in Toronto. He's with Toronto FC all weekend, hanging out with them, so he's already big time in everybody. Yeah, he's, he's upped his game big time. You know, if, if you didn't listen to the OT last week, episode 74, talking about breathing, sleeping, foods, living a healthy lifestyle, everything John Rashad needs to do to get the glow. That's right. He was talking about eating healthy. And I went, well, that's out. And he's like, make sure you breathe through your nose while you're sleeping. I'm like, well, that's out. He's like, make sure you get enough sleep. And I'm like, that's out. I'm like, I'm going to be dead in about 20 minutes. I'm going to be dead before this podcast ends. <laughs> that's why you were eating more turkey. I get it now. It's, it's kind of like the last supper. Yeah. <laughs> and there's nobody in the world that's going to say that John Rashad doesn't get enough sleep. He sleeps 16 <laughs> hours a day. You you woke up to do the show and you're going right back to bed. So let's let's not pretend that you're not getting everybody in the on the show's amount of sleep for us here. <laughs> do you remember when we lived in Owen Sound? John was my roommate. He'd go to bed at four a.m. because he just figured out PVR yep. and he paused. He paused the hockey game, the Canucks game, which was the late game. He would pause it seventeen times because he had to keep getting coke or pepsi products and eat and he'd go to bed at 4 a.m matt would text me at one hey what are we doing i don't know john's still sleeping (laughs) (laughs) um well my room didn't have any windows so once you turned off the light it was like a cave in there i I would hibernate like a bear (laughs) (laughs) is rashad coming out tonight nope not till may He ate enough food that he can sleep for six months. (laughs) He's got a few fruit roll-ups in his fruit roll-up. And he would always see his shadow, so he would run back into his hole. (laughs) Well, we've lost him a second time. I like to be comfortable. What can I say? John, you're the man still. I don't care what anybody says. (laughs) Just keep the flap of your onesie up, okay? <laughs> Gee, you have one malfunction. 
So yeah, we talked about Shane and uh, what a great guest he was. And if you haven't heard that, definitely go back and get some tips on uh, being healthier than I am. And then also stay tuned. We'll announce the guest for our next edition of the OT at the end of this episode. But uh, this is our debate format show. And we have plenty to talk about from hockey to football to baseball. Pitch all the way. There's a shot to Dansby. He slides to it. He's got it. Throws over. There is a new champion of the National League. And it is the Atlanta Braves. They have won the 2021 National League pennant, and the Atlanta Braves are going to the World Series. Fly ball in the left. That should do it. Astros win the pennant. The World Series is now underway between the Houston Astros and the Atlanta Braves. The Astros are the favorites. Who do you guys have? Yeah, I mean, the, the the Braves are the surprise team, of course, in, in the playoffs this year. Um, a team I don't think we counted on uh, to get out of the first round to uh, uh, to beat Milwaukee. And, and they uh, handled that one. They handled the Dodgers very well. Uh, came into the World Series strong, obviously. So um, they are, are definitely a, a formidable team. And I think, uh, you know, Alex Anthopoulos and, and his group um, making those moves at the deadline. You lose Robert Acuna Jr., one of the best players in the National League. You go get Jose Solar, uh, who homered in Game 1 of the World Series. Jock Peterson, uh, you know, you, you pick up Rosario, who ends up being the MVP of the league championship series. Like it's it's brilliant moves, and and the pitching staff has been able to uh, to hold them in. Having said that, I mean, if you're going to go on paper, Houston is the better team. Houston has a a better complete roster than Atlanta does. So I mean. Betting man, uh, if I'm putting all my crypto in, I'm going to go with with the Astros in the World Series. But, um, you know, again, I would have loved to have been the Dodgers um, and play off the play off the series. But uh, Atlanta's been impressive for sure. Yeah, I think if I were going to pick two, I think I'm picking Houston and not just because everybody else is. But uh, I just always think good hitting is eventually going to prevail over good pitching. And so that's why I think that uh, Houston's going to eventually win that series. I think it'll be long, though. I think it might go six or seven games. Well, you hate the Braves. You admitted that in the last episode. So we knew where you were going. (laughs) It's true. You're all on the Astros. (laughs) That's right. Give me the Braves. Wow. And let's put let's put some breakfast on that or turkey, John. Whatever you like, whatever you like. Listen, I give you that Houston's got a great offense. You know they're they're balanced, um, they're deep offensively. Altuve, Alvarez, Correa, um, who, who, Tucker, right? Like uh, they've got some players offensively. But I'd rather have the pitching staff and Freed, uh, Anderson, uh, Morton, they're all pitching well. And if they can pitch five, six innings, because basically that's all a starter can go these days nowadays, apparently, um, I think Atlanta's got a chance. And when you take a look at their lineup, I know, Matt, you mentioned a few of their names, um, but you add in a Freddie Freeman. Add in an Albies, add in uh, uh, Austin Riley, Adam Duvall. Like, I think their lineup is just as good. I think the difference will be the starters. Who would you rather have, Valdez and Garcia or Morton, Freed, and Anderson? 
Yeah, and I mean, you go a little bit de- deeper in that. Matzik's been very good in the playoffs and a, a great story. Um, Will Smith has been solid for them as well. Yeah, I mean, the Braves are here. They they beat the the best team in baseball, uh, really. I mean, over in the that that was left in the Dodgers, and and they handled that series very well. So they uh, they certainly have deserved it. I think there's some great stories here too. The oldest managerial combo uh in in world series history um you know dusty baker having played with hank aaron uh hank aaron hiring snedeker the the braves manager like the the connections between those two uh already uh and you know the fact that there's a snedeker on both teams uh somebody in that house is going to win a world series is uh, is a wild idea there's there's some good storylines in this one for sure yeah, and you know, you feel for Dusty Baker, you want him to win it, right? Uh, and that stat that the Astros have, 45 of their 67 runs have come with two outs. Like, that's just incredible to me. I don't know if that streak will continue. That sounds like a, a streak that's due to end to me. And speaking of World Series, a big milestone was celebrated on the weekend, especially for Canadians. Here's a pitch on the way, a swing and a belt! Left field, way back, Blue Jays win it! The Blue Jays are World Series champions as Joe Carter hits a three-run home run in the ninth inning and the Blue Jays have repeated as World Series champions. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. We posted that video to our social media account. It was October 23rd, 1993, 28 years ago, if you can believe that, when Joe Carter hit his three-run walk-off home run to give the Blue Jays their second straight World Series. And uh, where were you guys when that happened? That's always the big question. And is that the biggest (laughs) home run in baseball? I honestly don't remember. Um, I'm not even sure I was watching that game uh, live, to be honest with you. Um, I was, uh, I'd have been 11 years old, um, so I'm sure it was on. Uh, I'm sure I I saw it, but I I don't remember where I was when that ball was hit. I was at a buck and doe, and I was in the bathroom. (laughs) I had to go take... uh, I had to go use the men's room and all I hear is a big chair out in the hall and Joe Carter hammering Mitch Williams pitch over the wall. Oh man. Missed it completely. Oh. What about you? <laughs> Missed John? it completely. I remember, um, yeah, we were all gathered around the TV watching it at, uh, in my parents' living room and uh, just all just yelling and cheering and feeling like the Blue Jays had overcome some really bad umpiring. And my parents always feel like that, that uh, whatever team they're cheering for is getting screwed by the officiating. <laughs> so uh, we prevailed and we were all really excited about it. What do you guys think? <laughs> Biggest home run in baseball? I think for for Blue Jays fans, forever it will be, but I don't know how people in the U.S. feel about it. Yeah, I don't think uh, the U.S. media really gives Joe Carter or the Blue Jays much credit for that back-to-back World Series title, and that's unfortunate. I'm not a huge Jays fan, but I do think that they deserve their due. Um, you know what? I You know, the Kirk Gibson home run for the Dodgers, if you remember that, that was huge. I thought that was fantastic because he had come off the bench for game one. And that was only game one. That was game one of the World Series between the Dodgers um, and the uh, 
A's, right? And I think it was 88. 1988, right? yeah. 1988? The Oakland yeah. A's heavily favored, won the, the American League uh, West by 17 games that year. Thank God there's a wild card now. Uh, swept the first round of the playoffs, got into the World Series. Dennis Eckersley on the mound, who was at his absolute prime. And Kirk Gibson on, on maybe half a leg uh, gets yeah. up there and, and hits that pinch hit home run. Like, is that your top one? Like, I, you know, like, you know, Bob Elliott, we had on a couple of weeks on the OT. Go back if you haven't listened to him. He talked about Kirby Puckett's home run in game six that forced game seven. I think that was 1990 World Series. That was, I still remember that going, holy crap, he just did that. That was, that was for sure. The biggest one for me uh, goes to 2011, and that's the this World Series between the St. Louis Cardinals and the Texas Rangers. David Freeze in the ninth inning hits a two-run double or two-run triple rather with the last strike. They're down to the last strike. Texas is winning the World Series or leading the series three games to two. It's Game Six. David Freeze triples with two on to tie the game. The the uh, Rangers score two in the ninth or in the tenth, I believe it was. The uh, Cardinals scored two in the bottom of the inning, and then in the bottom of the 11th, David Freeze homers to center field in walk-off fashion to then propel a Game 7 and uh, and the St. Louis Cardinals taking uh, that series in, in seven games at home. That, to me, was one of the best baseball games that's ever been played. To, at two points, be down to your last strike and come back both times and then eventually win that World Series in Game 7. That homer, to me, is is the tip of the iceberg. And I think the one thing to point out with the Joe Carter home run, and I'm not trying to discredit what an outstanding moment that was in Canadian sports or, or anything like that, the Blue Jays were absolutely crushing the Phillies in that series. They were crushing them. And earlier in that game, they were up 5-1 in the seventh inning and blew it. Philly took a 7-5 lead, and then Joe Carter hit the three-run homer to walk it off. So I don't think that, to me, if you're going to look at the full picture significance, yes, that individual moment is unbelievable. But the Blue Jays were going to win that series. They they were cruising through that series at, at the time. The only time they had lost was, I think, Game 2. Uh, and then uh, they had... Uh, they played that 15 to 14 game in that series. And, and uh, there are a few other, other moments from that series for sure. The, the Jays were in great shape in that series. But that was game six. That was right? game like, six. You get, yeah. to game, you get to game seven, anything could happen. Like I, like I thought that was huge. I still think that was huge. And now let's move on to hockey in a story we can't ignore. Our investigation was independent and it was thorough. The Blackhawks directed us to follow the facts wherever they led, and that is exactly what we did. The Chicago Blackhawks have been fined $2 million by the NHL after the release of an independent investigation into the sexual assault allegations involving former video coach Brad Aldridge. General Manager Stan Bowman has also stepped down from his role in Chicago, and he's also no longer the GM of the U.S. Olympic men's hockey team. So first, let's get your thoughts on the fallout. Well, um... Stan Bowman had to go because he was he was in that room in 2010 as part of the executive when he found out that this was taking place. And the report outlines that they did not do anything for three weeks after the fact because they were in that Stanley Cup run. To me, this, you know, I read Stan Bowman's statement today. He sort of apologized, which I hate. You need to take you need to take some sort of accountability. 
without naming him, he basically put the blame on John McDonough, who was the president at the time. He's no longer with the organization, and he's definitely at fault for what's taken place. But to me, there's no accountability in this. You know, the whole organization needs to take responsibility for this. Um, and that starts at the ownership level. Um, I'm disgusted that this took place. I'm disgusted that it's only uh, the GM and one of the executives that has basically lost their job to this point. And I'm disgusted at the league finding Chicago only $2 million. I'll remind you in 2010, when Ilya Kovachuk signed with the New Jersey Devils, the Devils were fined $3 million and lost a first-round pick and a third-round pick. Four years later, the league rescinded that. They cut the fine in half to $1.5 million and they gave them their first-rounder back. However, that's 21 years ago. And are you trying to tell me that a team that signed a player that uh, tampered with a player and signed a player to a bad contract, I'd remind you, is worth more of a fine than sexual assault? Like, this is like a $10 million fine and multiple draft picks lost. That's how the league should be handling this, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm I'm really disappointed in the league in in that amount. I mean, it, you know, even if you translated any different in, in Manny, the good comparison there with, with Ilya Kovalchuk, like what's a $2 million player look like in the NHL right now? Like what did you just find them? Their fifth line left winger? It, it didn't even take a player away. You haven't removed anything from that team. That that $2 million in a billion-dollar sports franchise is is going to be an aw shucks or, you know, signing a guy to a one-year contract that, you know, like, wh- what are the, the Leafs paying Spezza and Simmons and, and Joe Thornton? Like, you're getting two of those guys for what this 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 fine is it's it's not even uh uh reasonable that the league would lay that kind of a fine on them i think the draft picks is really where it should hurt um and that's what they should be taking away is the draft picks not necessarily the money but yeah and back to your point manny on stan bowman i mean his his release i'm not even calling it an apology his his statement his release is basically just saying yeah if i knew the other guy wasn't going to handle it i would have kept my eye on it more but i gave it to him i gave him all the information that i hand had and i walked away uh and uh that seemed to be enough at the time but had i known it wouldn't be taken care of better i i would have definitely done something different no accountability it's it's ridiculous right well, yeah, don't you go to the guy and go, how are we going to deal with this? We both know about it. How are we going to deal about it? Not you handle it. I'm going to go over here and uh, pretend I don't know anything about it. Well, according to the well, report, the they did th- let Joel Quinville know, and that didn't go very well. Well, yeah, true. Right. Yeah, we're just, yeah. We, we were just going to mention that in the 107 pages, it's outlined that Joe Quinville and his assistant GM, Kevin Shoveldayoff, had a meeting or were in a meeting on May 23rd, 2010, when the allegations were brought to team executives from John Doe, the player who came forward with the allegations. The NHL says they will talk to Quinville and Shoveldayoff. Should they face a penalty too? Yeah, that's a great conversation. Uh, basically, that uh, that we mentioned um, Joel Quinville 
made it sound like, at least from the report, and, and I'm Cole's noting it at this point, this is not exact. It's, it's worth reading the report just to, to see what, what actually happened. I'm, I'm halfway through it right now. Um, is him basically saying, like, the team's got a lot on their mind right now, not wanting to affect the chemistry of the team. You know, we're in the Stanley Cup Finals uh, and kind of putting it on the back burner is essentially the, the idea or the takeaway that I got of how Joel Quinville approached um, that information. But the question, and and it's a very fair question, and I don't know what the answer is. Should the Florida Panthers be penalized because of what Joel Quenville did? Should the Winnipeg Jets be penalized because of what Kevin Sheveldayov did? I don't necessarily think so, but I, I definitely think there needs to be some reparations to this, and, and I honestly don't know what that is. Yeah, it gets tricky when people are now on different teams. Do you find the individual, maybe? Or because you can't really suspend them because then that's punishing their current team, I suppose. Well, I, I totally hear what you're saying, but we're talking about what they didn't do. And in Kevin Dayoff's case, in, in both cases, they are leader of men. They are building a culture or building a, a team atmosphere. Are they going to allow this to continue because part of the problem is nobody said anything nobody penalized that guy and the guy allegedly sexually assaulted another player in michigan at a high school so something's got to be done here i don't know what the penalty is but something's got to be done here because um if it for something this serious if you're joel quenville if you're stan bowman if you're Kevin Shebeldayoff, don't you go to the idiot John McDonough and say, hey, did you talk to Wirtz yet? Or have we fired that guy yet? Like the very next day. Like Joel Quenville can keep his team in a bubble because they're competing for a Stanley Cup and not let them get involved in this sort of business. But don't you follow up with the big guy and go, what have you, what have you done? Or why haven't you done anything yet? Because as we learned in this report, it was three to four weeks later before the guy was able to resign on his own, Brad Aldrich, which is completely mind-boggling. No, it's like everybody passed the buck. It's not my business. I'm not taking accountability for this. Yeah, nobody really knew how to handle it, so the best idea around it was to not, and that's literally the worst choice you could have made. Does that go back to the old hockey culture where no one wants to make any noise, you don't want to disturb anything, you don't want to disrupt anything, you just don't say anything, keep your head down, and that's that's the way you handle everything? I mean, I'll take I'll take Joel Quenville's explanation at the time. I'll take that. I, I understand that. You're in the Stanley Cup finals. You don't want something to go off the rails. Uh, you know, not the. I'm not talking about the story itself. I'm just talking about something that would be coming through the organization. I can understand that wanting to be, you know, him wanting to keep that clear, keep that out of the locker room, and all that for sure. But there has to be warning signs. That's you know a story that somebody got into a fight at a bar. Uh, that's not sexual assault. That's not something that a life changing event. For, for somebody that's involving one of your staff members who's intimately involved with the team and, and around the team all the time. You know, I can understand the blinders in that moment, but there have to be things that set you off where like, okay, this isn't just a story that is going to go away 
or is you know just you know kind of back page fluff this is a a monster story of of disgusting levels and on that note you know kudos to katie strang and rick westhead for the investigative reporting that they did as as media guys and as news connoisseurs as news broadcasters where we've been um investigative journalism seems to have taken a back seat with all the media restructuring and the work that Katie and Rick did to uncover this story in the local media in Chicago that did that as well. Would we ever find out about this if not for their work? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, there may be other things going on that we don't know about in a lot of different teams that um, haven't been investigated across any, any number of leagues. I totally agree that I think there is other stories that we just don't know about. And now let's talk about some hockey news on the ice. We're two weeks into the season. Which teams have been your biggest surprises, good and bad? So, um, you know, I think you look at the Canadian teams. If I'm just looking at the Canadian teams, I think first and foremost, you have to look at Montreal and Toronto as two major disappointments. You know, that... The Habs, yeah, they don't have Carey Price. Yeah, they don't have Shea Weber. But you didn't expect them to have one win in six games to start the season. The Toronto Maple Leafs are supposed to be going for it. They kept the nucleus together. And yeah, they didn't have Austin Matthews to start the season. But he played his first game Monday night. And they still lost. And they didn't look very good against Carolina. So I think as far as disappointment goes, those two teams... Uh, are at the top of the list. As far as good news, you know, you look at the undefeated. Carolina, proving that they are for real, even though some people thought they lost the best defenseman in the summer in, in Dougie Hamilton. The Rangers are 4-2-1. and St. Louis, the Blues are 5-0. and Buffalo, without Jack Eichel, 4-1-1. and and San Jose, a team that looked terrible and missed the playoffs last year, they're four and one and hot on the heels of the five and zero Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned a couple of uh, my teams there, and the Buffalo Sabers kind of screwed me a couple days ago when they were up two one on Tampa Bay, and I got in on the Lightning at two fifty five, and uh, they ended up winning that game five one or six one or something like that. They they took it to them, and, and you know what? This is this is to me. Um, I'm starting to change my mind. Like I'm I'm not a big Jack Eichel guy. I'm not a fan of Jack Eichel. To me, he's not a winner. Just from that character characteristic, injuries and all that stuff aside, I I just don't get it with him. This is not helping Jack Eichel. No, it's this not. This is not helping Jack Eichel. So, having said that, I, I've got Buffalo in there. I've got San Jose on my list. You know, we mentioned the Florida Panthers, six and zero. Again, they were a team that we were just waiting to kind of, or I was specifically waiting to kind of collapse after Aaron Ekblad went down last year. Uh, you know, they were pretty. They had a good performance in the playoffs. They're out to a fantastic start this year. Uh, you know, you mentioned Toronto. I think Toronto is going to be on the surprising list or the not surprising list every single time we talk about this because it's Toronto. But what about Vegas at one of one and four? Um, are they regretting letting go of, of Marc-Andre Fleury, who, by the way, has been awful in Chicago, and Colorado's two and three. Now, how quickly is that going to turn around next week? We might see them the way the playoffs uh, standings look. They might be in second place in their division. But slow starts for a couple of favorites there. 
Yeah, and Nathan McKinnon was out. Um, isn't Mark Stone injured and Max Pacioretty was hurt? I, I really wonder how much of an impact those teams have had. Vancouver's 3-2-1, John. What do you think of those Canucks? Yeah, that's, that's about where I thought they would be, actually, um, because they had a lot of games on the road. And then now they've got a big homestand. So this is where they're going to make hay. If they're going to make a bit of a move here, they've got a long home stretch, And that's where I want to see what they're really going to do. Because I sort of thought with that road trip, they weren't going to do much. They might be around 500. But now we'll see if they can put together maybe like three or four wins in a row at home. Um, one team that kind of surprised me because I watched the Pacific Division mostly, I didn't expect the Oilers to be this good. Oh. Oilers fans are talking about Ken Holland adding already. It's they've played five games. Yes, yeah. they're five and zero, oh, but they're already talking about adding players to make the cup run. Like it's still a little bit early. Yeah, Is come on, not? you're acting like Leaf fans. Stop planning the parade yeah. five games in. If you've only got five games to analyze and you haven't lost one of them yet, then what the hell? Who needs? Well, yeah, they're going to run the table. That's what the math says. They're not going to lose a game all year. Look, I will if take you extrapolate. I will take the over on Edmonton Oilers wins at eighty-one and a half. I will take the over on that. <laughs> <laughs> I will take the over on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and do you know what you you brought up the Blackhawks, Matt? And they haven't won a game in six games. Oh, five and one. And this whole fiasco with the independent investigation now. Nobody will want to be going to the rink now, right? I hope not. If you're a player, if you're a player, you don't want to be answering questions about this, even because many of the players weren't even there back in 2010 when this happened. But this is just a bad mojo in the room where you... These there's going to be players who just don't want to be there. Oh, I kind of hope the media is smart enough not to ask players that have nothing oh, to do with this. No way. Can they'll you imagine ask. dealing with that every single day? Yeah, they'll, they'll ask Kane Tapes. They'll ask. Yeah, for sure. No, it's it's going to be a bad bad place uh, to be for the next little while. And again, you know, we we talk about uh, not trying to make light of it, but um, they're uh, they're the worst team in in the NHL right now translating that to the NHL draft lottery, however screwed that thing is, the fact that they could end up with a first overall pick and could up with a Shane Wright type player amongst this, and the only thing they've had taken away is $2 million. Ooh, that's a bad look for the league. Terrible look. Terrible look. Hey, over, betting line, who gets the first win of the season, Arizona or Chicago? I'm taking the over on Chicago losses at 81 and a half. I think Arizona is going to be at 500 before the Blackhawks get their first win. <laughs> Matt's picking uh, Chicago to get their first uh, win of the season when they're playing out the string and somebody rests their number one goalie. Yeah. yeah. And I'm their number one goalie. That's, that's what I'm taking. I was going to say, because if they play David Ayers, he's probably going to beat them too. <laughs> And um, he'll be co- he'll be going every year to sound the alarm or whatever. You know. <laughs> um, one other thing, what do you guys think the Kraken about where you thought they would be at uh, one and four? I believe. 
I'm disappointed in everything of the Seattle Kraken right now. I watched some of the first game, you know, because of the feed that I was watching. Sure, I didn't get to see any of the pregame stuff, but I really didn't get to see the highlights of any of the pregame stuff afterwards, which was kind of concerning because that to me means it wasn't that special. Um, the goal horn is really quiet. Um, they're they're not seemingly an entertaining team to play. Um, I am not in any way. Um, want to be the team that follows Vegas, but man, they got a long way to go to compare to what Vegas did when they came out the gate. Hey, but they retired number 32, right? Because they're the 32nd franchise in the NHL. Well, they're where I thought they would be. No offense, minus 10 goal differential. Even though they, you know, they stocked up on goalies, you still need somebody to score goals. And they don't have that in the lineup. We talked about that after the draft, right? They're going to struggle to score goals, and that's come to fruition. And uh, I said they were 1-4. and four. They're 1-4-1, one, and one, so there's an overtime loss in there too. Yeah, I've seen them play a couple of games, and um, it's just it's defense, 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 and it is boring to watch. Don't, aren't you happy that the Canucks get to play them over and over and over again now? <laughs> yeah, I feel like those are going to be some long games. And now it's time for our play of the week, picked by you, our listeners, and our social media followers. And the winner this week is from the NHL. So it stays here, five on three as play continues, with plenty of time on the Chicago power play. There's to break it. Oh, what a save by Nadelkovic! Oh, he keeps it at 6-3! A diving stab with the outstretched stick on the man they call the cat! Alex Nedeljkovic of the Detroit Red Wings made an incredible save with his goal stick to rob Alex DeBrincat of the Blackhawks of a sure goal. How about the Red Wings, boys? How about, yeah. how about that? Look, look, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I've been waiting for you to say I'm, it. I'm get, I'm getting a little excited. <laughs> I'm getting a little excited. I'm trying, I'm trying to keep it down. What kind of plan is it? It's the Iser plan. Oh my god. I'm I'm trying to keep it under wraps, boys. It's early. Lucas Raymond's probably the best hockey player I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Maurice Sider makes Nicholas Lidstrom look like John. Oh my (laughs) god. I'm I'm really trying to taper taper things right now. Really excited about uh, about the how the Red Wings look and and the way that they've been playing to to start the season. Nadalkovich's save was great. Um, you know, I I didn't vote for it. Let's just put that out there. I did not vote for it, but great save. I voted for the Carter Hart save more than that one because it didn't look like Debrinkat got all of the shot. Right, it was sort of like a knuckle puck. And I went with, but I'm not vote. I'm not voting for those fake Philly specials. I went for Danny like Dimes. Buffalo did. Da- that was a nice catch. That was a really. Nice how much catch. when you, when you're looking at play of the week? How much is like? Do you do you consider Nadelkovich's save a skill, or just position or good luck, or and how do you take take uh, Danny Dimes' catch? Well, I think it's all a little bit of everything. Like, if you look at those two plays, like, Nedeljkovic at least makes an effort. He's out of position, but makes an effort with his goal stick. But there's a bit of luck there that he's able to do it. Same with Danny Dimes. You know, he bobbled the ball, but was still able to concentrate and make the catch, and he made the effort. For me, I go... 
I go for something that I'm like, oh, I'm not going to see that again anytime soon. And to me, that save. I mean, I don't know. the The catches were fine, but you see, you see similar catches from throughout the, man. the season. From the man, the man who <laughs> delivered the catch. Danny, Danny Dimes. If we had video of something, let me show you something here. This is uh, this is me on out route <laughs> blue forty two, uh, red action tight corner. <laughs> If we had that video, I'd send it to Peyton and Eli in the Manning cast on Monday Night Football. That's going pretty well, eh? That is that is pretty entertaining. You know what? That game was so boring on Monday night that I actually flipped to watch Eli and Peyton. And they had they had Tom Brady on for the second quarter, yeah. and that was a great conversation. Yeah, it was very good. It was really good because the game was boring. <laughs> Our play of the week, by the way, brought to you by London Awnings quality that shows and remember to check out our twitter account and instagram accounts every monday so this is what we do manny goes on the computer he posts the options and the poll he then posts the four options so that you can watch them at your leisure you then click on one of the options on monday and then we will reveal the winner of the poll question on our next episode it's that does not seem to too hard i think every week we get a message oh i would have voted for this one uh, but i missed it or oh my vote didn't count or the the chad is still hanging from the one that i picked uh, this is this is bogus no doubt i'm gonna get a we're gonna get a message on thursday that says the nadelkovich save right yeah and it would be it'll be on thursday and i'm like the poll's over yeah. three days ago buddy <laughs> so do it on mondays these are the people who post the Amber Alerts that are three years old. Yes. <laughs> or good. complain about them. <laughs> Just the, the ones that complain about the crypto texts at four in the morning, too. <laughs> hey, I signed up for those. <laughs> are you ready? So now it's time for Rapid Fire. We have an email from Joan in Huntsville who says she loves listening to us argue. <laughs> we do too. Do we argue? We do too. Do we, we, we listen back. Yeah. Uh, but her question is about the Olympics. Uh, Canada has announced all the athletes must be vaccinated to compete in the Winter Olympics and the Paralympics. Joan wants to know if other countries should be mandated to do the same. Well, I think there should be some level that's the same for every single country. I don't think it's ever going to happen. But I do think that if they want the Olympics to go off without a hitch, there has to be some sort of control over this worldwide pandemic when you've got thousands of athletes in one area and then they all go back to their home countries. Talking about a fourth or fifth or sixth wave. Yeah, I completely disagree with anything that Manny just said. Uh, no, <laughs> no I, you know what? What are you talking about? What? Jones loving it. Joan, you're drunk. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, you got to have something in place here. I know everybody's got different rules and different places, and, and hell, it, it, different cities in the same province, and, and all. Everybody's got different rules. I, I get it, but like, there has to be an overall number one thing that that is part of the Olympics that everybody has to participate in. To me, that's that's the double vaccination. I, I don't think that's <laughs> that that seems to be the trend that everyone seems to be going um, with professional sports in North America. 
I mean, I I don't see how it's not working. Uh, at least these games are getting played. You know, there's the odd cases here and there that get pulled off protocol and stuff, but it's looked a lot better and it seems to be working okay. I think that's the the minimum at this point. John, you like the Olympics. What do you think? Yeah, I think everyone has to be on an equal playing field as well. But uh, I'm going to make the obvious joke and be like, well, you better check that Russian vaccine. (laughs) (laughs) It's always the Russians. (laughs) Always the Russians. But I mean, could you imagine that everyone goes to the Olympics for this great event, trying to bring the world back together, a sense of normalcy, and then there's another COVID wave from it? Like, that would just be terrible. The optics would be awful. We have another question from the listener mailbag. Michael in Ann Arbor writes an email that says, Go Blue. Big game this weekend between Michigan and Michigan State. But he writes about the Week 7 winners, the Titans, the Bengals, and the Raiders. Which team do you guys think is a legit Super Bowl contender? First off, Go Blue. Go Green and White. Should be a good game this week. Number 6, Michigan. Number 8, Michigan State. In Michigan, go green and white. I'm I'm intrigued to see how this game goes in Michigan. We'll see what uh, what Jim's got up his sleeve. I think uh, in Lansing, in in Lansing, should be a good game. It's the one the one place in where I live and in the circle that uh, I've been to. I've never been to a a Michigan State sporting event. I'd I'd like to go to a basketball game. Um, That would be awesome. But uh, but football game would be good good for sure. Which team of the Week 7 winners are legit contenders for the Super Bowl? Uh, uh, Michael? Michael, is it? Um, I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I think that uh, team is uh, has got some some swagger to them. They've got some character in in Joe Burrow, and they you know obviously there's the connection with the with the wide receiver they just drafted this past year. I don't think that division is very good. I think the Browns are fairly overrated at this point. Um, the the Ravens are excellent. And the Bengals are sitting right there. I think the Steelers are are going to be uh, a, a bit of a wash for uh, for the, this season. And, and I, I don't know if they ever put it together. You know, you look at their upcoming schedule. Huge game against the, the Browns coming up. They get the Jets on Halloween. Should be able to dispose of that. Big game against the Browns. Then they go to Oakland, or to Las Vegas, I should say, and play the Raiders. Uh, and then the Steelers, and the, the schedule gets a little bit harder from there. So the the I, I like what the Bengals are doing. I think they've got a pretty good team. The Titans I've never really bought into. And anybody that likes the Raiders, I mean, get, get, get lost. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, I watched that Bengals-Ravens game because I had money on it. Um, Joe Burrow looked fantastic. Like He looked like Peyton Manning, Joe Montana, Tom Brady, fill in the blank there. And Jamar Chase was excellent. Um, I just think they're, it's a little bit too early for them. Like, it's, they're still young, right? Like, I still think it's a little bit early for them. The Raiders handled my Eagles quite handily. It was embarrassing, in fact. But you know what? I look at the Raiders, and they have five wins. The only real good quarterback that I think they've beaten was week one and Lamar Jackson. Because the other quarterbacks they've beaten are Jacoby Brissett, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, and now Jalen Hurts. Like Those aren't top 10 quarterbacks in the National Football League. The Titans 
have beat really good teams. They've beaten Buffalo and now Kansas City quite handily in back-to-back weeks. Derrick Henry is great, but I still don't think they're going to represent the AFC. So I'm going to say no one is a legit Super Bowl contender. Uh, my two teams in uh, football that are contenders, uh, the Montreal Alouettes have now won four in a row. So they're tied for first in the East and you can't discount the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, of course, 10 and one in the West. So there you go. But John, what did you think Do about we... the Nick Harbuckle deal <laughs> where now McLeod Bethel uh, Thompson is the man in Toronto? You, you trade Harbuckle to Edmonton. He's an elk now. You get a a third-round pick in 2022, becomes a second-round pick if he re-signs with Edmonton, and Toronto's handed the keys over to McLeod. I think that's a huge move for them. How did you get that that fast? Do you just have CFL stuff just sitting there waiting? Listen, we know the CFL. (laughs) This this is Like Marcel Desjardins, the only GM the Ottawa Red Blacks has had, he was fired crazy like do you think that's a good move i saw that and i was expecting that to lead off the 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 segment i thought that was going to be john's first question i really thought it was (laughs) all right uncle that was surprising that was surprising (laughs) to me i think the biggest story that's going on right now in the cfl it's actually the headline on cfl.ca twisted tea is now the official ready to drink beverage of the cfl and of the great cup Oh my god! Have you had twisted tea before? Uh, no, I haven't. But it sounds like the most CFL thing I've ever <laughs> heard of in my life. Well, so we've lost John again. He's <laughs> off the rails oh, Look, for the fourth time in this episode. I, I agree. I, I agree with Montreal. Uh, they beat up on Toronto. What was it? Thirty-seven, sixteen. William Standback career high in rushing yards. Scores a touchdown. No way. Two hundred and three yards. How can yards. you not pick the Blue Bombers? The Blue Bombers look amazing. You're nuts, man. Top performers of the week. You got him. You got Eugene Lewis. Seven catches, 156 yards, two touchdowns. Oh, yeah, let's just let's just sniff that away. What about the 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 top performer of the week on defense? What about Monshadrick Hunter? Two interceptions, two pass knockdowns, and a tackle. Look, the CFL top performers of the week, they do one for running backs, wide receivers, and defensive players. They're all Montreal Alouettes! Look at the games in, just in the month of October. The Bombers have won 30-9, to 30-3, 45-0, and 26-16. Like, come on. The, the teams, they're, they're playing the Tamiskaming Rough Riders. That's basically who they're playing in the CFL. You're drunk. Look, Saturday night, if you've got nothing else. <laughs> on Twisted T. You're on the Twisted T. You're on it. You're on it. Look, Saturday night, Saskatchewan travels to Montreal. Saskatchewan's one and a half point favorites. Going to be a great showdown if you get a chance to watch that Saturday night. Next Saturday, November 6th. Montreal at Winnipeg. Oh. We're going to the peg there it is. to watch this game. <laughs> that is going to be the game of the year for sure. And then they play the following week on November 13th. They play back-to-back games. What are there, five in teams Montreal? in this league? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they play in Montreal. We're going we're again. Going to, we're going to do, We're following the Montreal Alouettes the rest of the season. When is Tamiskaming on this schedule? <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm still hurting because Winnipeg beat uh, BC 45 nothing on Saturday. And my See, wife, yeah. my nobody can compete with them. That was no, I agree. That was nasty. I, all right, we're going all in right now. I got Owls in the Grey Cup. I'm going. I'm going heavy, heavy Owls. Uh, and uh, forget it. It's over, boys. It's the over. Blue Bombers are going to bomb the Alouettes. I can't. Uh, well, mark this down. I am pumped for the Grey Cup now. This is going to be every year. John calls me after the Grey Cup. And then after the Super Bowl, I knew the Grey Cup was going to be more entertaining than the Super Bowl was. This year, there's no question about that. I had no idea the can of worms I was opening there. I was expecting you guys to... That is some superb Googling you guys just did, because you guys don't watch... No, it's no Google. What's Google? Hey, look, I got it in my notes. I got it written down in my notes, John. I knew about that trade before it happened. I I was following Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram, and for future considerations on Facebook. Uh, They called... Nick... Nick, uh, what the hell's his name? Nick Harbuckle called me. And told me about the train. That's how in. That's how in the circle we are. What's his name? What the hell's his name? I put the notes down. I'm getting a Nick Harbuckle Elks jersey because he's going to be the long-term answer. Even though he's been injured, he's been injured a couple times. So. Oh my god! I've never regretted bringing up the CFL more than I just did now. Every week. Every week now. <coughs> You're going to have to come up with a jingle for the CFL. <laughs> the CFL Corner. Brought to you by Twisted Tea. <laughs> oh, we've lost it again. Oh, no. Oh, no. Five. <laughs> What's the over-under on losing John in an episode? <laughs> Off the rails. I don't know. Oh, we've okay. lost him a couple of times already in this one. It's true. Okay, from Twisted Tea, we go to... When do uh, they announce the halftime show for the Great Cup? Who's, who's playing the halftime show? Nickelback. Ooh. Hey, they get good people for the halftime show. I know they do. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up. Do they Do they have that oh. yet? Sure. Ashley McIsaac's not available, it. or what? <laughs> you have to Google it. Where Matt and I know the CFL like the back of our hands. <laughs> Wait, is Ashley McKay? Isn't he? I don't know. Never mind. I'm not getting into that. <laughs> <laughs> It's in Hamilton. Yeah, right? it's in yeah. Hamilton. Yeah. Who's from uh, Hamilton? That could. Oh be my good. God! Twenty-five years ago, they're celebrating the anniversary when the Nylons took the stage. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, they've come a long way since then. They like sure Keith have. Urban was. Yeah. No, they do get some good ones. Um. Yeah, I can't find it. Who is? I don't think it has been announced yet. It's too much excitement. <laughs> we gotta find out if Katie um, Lang is available. <laughs> We've lost him again. Even Katie Lang's family is like, uh, "Don't you know something you'd rather be Aren't doing?" You play in Bucks Tavern just... that night. You can't do the. the... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so from. Um... That would go to uh, the comments of Mike Leach. Whatever that was. <laughs> the head coach of Mississippi State. We talked about on the broadcast how you hate candy corn. What's your uh, favorite Halloween candy game? Candy corn. I mean, I completely hate candy corn. Um, 
Oh, when I was a kid. Well, gummy bears. Let's see. Uh, gummy bears for sure. Sour or regular? Uh, um, the, the, the hair bow. It's got to be the hair bow ones. And then uh, the other thing I like is uh, is when they used to have the, the uh, sprees in a box. Outstanding. You have to go to the dollar store to find it. But I do. And then the latest, the, the latest, you know, there's still candy innovation, although a while back I found that Europe had better candy than we did overall because <laughs> they have gummy everything. And then, uh, but the, um, the uh, you know, they have those nerds clusters, which is new. The gummy. Yeah, which is good. The nerds clusters is good. And then if you go chocolate, uh, probably Almond Joy. Love it. Hopefully you'll get some of that next week. Yeah, yeah we'll see. Uh, that was quite a rant there. He hates candy corn, but what do you guys think? Do you like candy corn, and what's your favorite Halloween uh, treat? I'm with Mike Leach. I hate candy corn. Oh, it's the worst. It's awful. Yeah. I don't just hate candy <laughs> who corn. Who likes candy corn? I don't just hate candy corn. I hate people who like candy corn. I hate you. <laughs> if you're out there listening, I hate you. <laughs> who likes candy corn? <laughs> You know what I also don't like is Tootsie Rolls. They're bad, too. Yeah, I hate Tootsie Rolls. Yeah, the Tootsie Rolls. Rolls are, I used to be a big Tootsie Roll guy, and I've, I've kind of gotten off the, the the Tootsie Rolls. I like, you know, I, the basic. I like the, the give, me the, give me a peanut butter cup. Um, give me one of those little yes. mini, skit, uh, mini Snickers. Um, the Twix are my favorite. The Twix, you just said. Those, there's one box that you can get that has the, there's, uh, I think, Smarties. Um Arrow, Arrow, Snickers, M and M's, Twix, and maybe Reese's from that. It's uh, something, but every single one of them is awesome. And uh, on November first, I'm going to go looking for the uh, the half price ones for sure. See, I'm not a huge chocolate guy, but I will eat Reese's Pieces mm-hmm. and Reese's peanut butter yeah. cups. But if if you have a bag of nibs in front of me. Oh, okay. Even the nibs licorice or the nibs pieces, Mm -hmm. gone in a heartbeat. Finish them. (laughs) Um, I don't know if this was an out west thing, because Jill and I have talked about this before. Did you guys ever get, um, they were like a toffee kind of a thing. They were wrapped in like ghosts and goblins. They had like a red and white. And they were orange and, yeah. They were the worst. And they were always the last thing that I would have at the end of Halloween. And it was always the big debate. Do I eat these or do I just throw them out? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I remember things like that. When I, I'd rather take the pencil. When I went, <laughs> when I went home and dumped my candy, I said, "If you find Tootsie Rolls or those small caramels, put them in the bin to give to the other kids who come yeah. to the door." Because I'm not having any of that. <laughs> and I have another one uh, for you guys. Uh, Corey Belmore, who lives in Tecumseh, just broke his own record in the world beer mile he chugged four beers and ran a mile in four minutes and 28 seconds how do you guys think you would do guys i can't do either of those things (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was just gonna say i can't run a mile in 428 without beer. yeah i can't chug a beer i I i'm not very good at that so he chugs a beer runs a quarter mile chugs another beer runs another quarter mile and does this two more times. And he did it in four minutes and 28 seconds. Yeah. That's absurd. That's insane. That sounds like Rashad on the way home from the Harb. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 
That's what where shot does with turkeys. Has a, has a leg or runs a quarter mile. I could run a mile, but it wouldn't be in a straight line. <laughs> we got to get Corey on the show. We got to get Corey on the show. Yeah, that's wild. That's unbelievable. Yeah, we should get him on the show. That'd be yeah. great. How do you train for that? Well, it's like watching one of those Joey Chestnut videos, eh? Where he just like oh. learns how to eat the hot dogs, and he's doing workouts for just his jaw and shit, <laughs> and dipping the hot dog bun in water. Oh, yeah, oh, disgusting. Uh. And uh, finally, for some music, we received some great comments about our debate show last week and our choices for our goal songs. But for pump it or dump it, Matt, you asked for it, and here it is. Oh, he- That's the brand new song from Adele called Easy On Me. The request comes from Evelyn in St. Thomas, since Matt asked for it on last week's show. Oh. Pump it or dump it? Oh, I love the name, Evelyn. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Listen, we know you're going to like this song, but come on. This is not a good song. No. No. It's terrible. It. It, sound, it sounds like one she's already done and not as good. Boys, yeah, I'm I, it too. boys, I almost feel bad for you. Can we just can we have a heart to heart? Can we have a, no. a moment here, boys? It's okay to like soft songs. It's okay to open your heart to something and and feel vulnerable. Look, it's okay. Adele is the the best singing voice I've ever heard in my life. It's not even close. And, I, and if if you want to debate that, that's fine. That's good for you. But there's no way that you're going to be you're going to come up with somebody that has a better singing voice than Adele. It's the best singing voice I have ever heard in my life. I've got, f- and I will listen to whatever she plays, and I think it's fantastic. This is not her best song. This probably isn't like top five best songs, but that is the best singing voice I have ever heard recorded or live. I've already got five singers off the top of my head that sound better than Adele. David Lee Roth. <laughs> okay. All right. Bismarck. Episode, 40, episode 76 uh, coming up on Friday. Uh, stay tuned, everybody. Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Snoop Dogg ain't singing, man. Cindy Lauper. <laughs> oh, man. Uh. Look, guys, it, guys, it's okay. It's okay to no. light a candle. Listen, to, I'm in to touch with my feelings. Tea. I'm in touch with my feelings. This song isn't good. It's not her best song. It really is not her best song. But that is the best voice I have ever heard in my lifetime. And you'll never, you'll never disagree. Get me to disagree. See, even in today's pop music, I'd go Ariana Grande. It's like if you want to think, of, if you want to pick a pop singer. For a voice, Manny. <laughs> Manny's always rhy- already rhymed off uh, numerous that in the 1970s were outstanding. <laughs> Listen, nobody can beat Gord Downey. I don't care what John Rashad says. Oh, here we go. <laughs> 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 
You thought you were uh, pissing uh, me uh, off with the CFL. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 and that does it for rapid fire. <laughs> Stopping this madness. Oh, man. Hope you enjoyed the debate. Join the conversation with us on social media, podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram, and for future considerations on Facebook. Just a reminder, go back, listen to some of the other episodes. Great interviews, great conversations. Recently, we talked baseball with, to baseball writer Bob Elliott, shared his favorite World Series stories. Enjoy the World Series and, uh, and enjoy uh, Wheat Kings and pretty things. <laughs> <laughs> And don't forget to email us your questions and comments at fourfutureconsiderations at gmail.com. Address any of your favorite Tragically Hip songs to John at that address. And remember, we have another episode coming up this week. It's called The OT. We will talk to the co-founder of the Beer League Hockey Practice. This is a very cool program that is expanding across Ontario. You don't want to miss it. Yeah, that's going to be great. And we want to thank our sponsors, Shane Topolovic of Next Level Athletics in Windsor, specializing in sport training, nutrition, sleep, and everything that John Burchot does not do. <laughs> and we also want to thank London Awnings, quality that shows. If you're in the London area, give them a call. They're already booking into next year. But if you're in the GTA, you may want to call somebody else. And uh, remember to tune into the OT, as we mentioned. And thank you for listening to this episode of For Future Considerations. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their MO for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.